I invite you to open up Psalm 147 is where we'll start. <coughs> Psalm 150 is where we'll end. Next week we'll start Revelation. So that's uh, the best laid plans of mice and men. As we finish up Psalm 147, starting from Psalm 146, but all the way through Psalm 150 <coughs> are the last of what's called the Hallel Psalms. Remember when we talk about the Hallel Psalms, they're the praise the Lord. Uh, they all begin and end with the phrase Hallelujah, which is Hebrew for praise the Lord. So <clears throat> all of these Psalms are praise Psalms, lifting up our praise to, uh, to the Almighty. Uh, and they all begin again with that phrase Hallelujah, praise Yahweh, praise the Lord. For it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Psalm 147 verse 1 <clears throat> lays out for us a purpose behind our praise. Our praise is not to make us feel good, to make us happy, although it may accomplish all those things. Our praise is to honor God. To honor the Lord for what He, who He is and what He's done in our life. So when we want to honor God, how do we do that? We do it by praise. Now, we can praise God a number of ways. The, the hymnal for the Jewish people is what we've been studying for the last several months as we worked our way through the Psalms, looking at the songs that they uh, bring together. So in verse 2 and 3, Psalm 147, he tells us one of the reasons we're going to praise the Lord is because the Lord brings restoration. Now, Anybody here know that today? God brings restoration. Look what it says. The Lord builds up. He gathers together. He heals. And He binds up their wounds. Verse 2 and 3. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. What's He telling us? God is the one that brings restoration. Now look, when we come to uh, the conclusion of the book of Revelation, we're going to read where Jesus Christ says this phrase, See, I make all things new. And when God says, See, I make all things new, it's what He's talking about. Look, I'm restoring it all. I'm binding up all those things that were broken. I'm healing those hurts. I'm building up and I'm gathering together the outcasts. Because a lot of times we think, <clears throat> that, that that's something that, that God needs to do now, but it is something that God will accomplish. It's like when we were studying Daniel on Sunday. Remember when we did Daniel chapter 9, and I said all these six things that Daniel 9 lists out will be accomplished in the 70 weeks. Some of those have been accomplished now. Some of them we still wait for. Well, the same way when we look at this, when we talk about God's restoration... Sometimes God's restoration affects us in the here and now. Sometimes we're looking forward to that restoration. On that one hurt that we just can't seem to get over. That one brokenness that we struggle with. There will be a day. I love that song by Jeremy Camp for that purpose. That there is a day when all this is over. When that particular battle with sin or that particular battle with brokenness or that particular hurt in my life that I... I can't overcome. I just remember the words of Jesus in Revelation 20, dealing with a new heavens and a new earth, when He says, See, I make all things new. 
I want to be there on that day. Not clinging to my hurt as though it's an idol, but looking forward to the ultimate healing that I have in Christ when He makes all things new, when He restores. He goes on in verse 4 to tell us that the Lord is good (coughs) to His creation. Look at it. He counts the number of the stars. That phrase, is, it's kind of an unfortunate interpretation, but literally it means he determines. What's it, what he's saying is, I'm not saying that God doesn't know the number, or that God doesn't know the number of the count of the stars, but the reason why it says count the stars is he, he's saying that's where God put them. They are where he put them. He hadn't lost a star. There's not a wandering star out there somewhere that was, man, I put that there, where'd it go? I got a lot of wandering things in my life. In my garage, sometimes things are not where I put them. That ever happened to you guys? I'm sure I put it right there, but I have wandering things. And I used to blame it on my kids, but they're not there no more. So it all falls on the wandering mind of the Father. But He hasn't. He determined where every star is. God determines (coughs) the placement of the stars Look at the the second part of verse 4. He calls them all by name. He knows the concept he's laying out for us is that God knows the placement and the number and the name of every star. Everything in creation that he placed is precisely where it is supposed to be. And it's there because God determined that it would be. In verse 5 he says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. We have this concept in theology called the omniscience of God. It sometimes melts our minds when we think about God's omniscience. (coughs) But that's what that scripture is telling us about. We can't number the stars. You go to any scientist and ask them how many stars there are. You can't number them. They go on and on and on and on. But God says, I know the number, I put them all where they are, and I know all their names. Why is it that God can number an innumerable host? Because His understanding is infinite. It's not limited. He knows everything. There's nothing He doesn't know. And in His knowledge, He even knows all possible. All things actual, all things possible. The Scripture lays that out for us. And so... The Lord is also a good judge. Look at verse 6. The Lord lifts up the humble and casts the wicked down to the ground. So the idea is He sustains the humble. What does the Bible tell us? If we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, what's He say He'll do? He'll lift us up. He'll lift us up. So the way to be lifted up by God is not to be puffed up and proud. The way to be lifted up by God is to be humble. To, to, to kneel, to bow, to be in a place of submission to God. God lifts up the humble, but the wicked, He judges. God will judge the wicked. Now, why is it that God doesn't judge the humble? <clears throat> well, f- for the most part, what we're talking about when we talk about humble are those who have bowed the knee to, to Jesus Christ. They bowed the knee. What's the Bible say? Every knee will do what? Bow. Every tongue will? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. Every every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. So where is the judgment for those people? Because they're just as much sinners as the others. But the judgment 
for the humble fell upon Christ. Remember when we talk about the idea, what is it that Jesus saves us from? He saves us from the wrath of God. He saves us from the judgment of God. He saves us from our guilt before a holy God. That's what we're saved from. Jesus Christ bore that for us. So, that there's not judgment for the humble. Verse 7, he goes on, So sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. So he's saying, here's the purpose, guys. We're, we want to praise the Lord because it's good. We want to praise the Lord because it's pleasant. <clears throat> we want to praise the Lord because it's beautiful. <clears throat> Here are the reasons why we should praise Him. Because God restores us. Because, because God is good in creation. Because God is a, is a just and holy judge. So we should have thankful praise. The response is, because of our thankfulness for God... We praise Him. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God. Who covers the heavens with clouds, prepares the rain for the earth, who makes the grass to grow on the mountains, and He gives to the beast its food, (coughs) and to the young ravens that cry, Praise our God, who is our King and sustains all of creation. The Bible says that all things that are made, according to the book of Colossians, chapter 1, everything that has been created, and that phrase, everything, means everything, not most things, not everything but one thing, means everything. Everything that is created has been created by Jesus Christ. It is created by Him, for Him, through Him. All things, and in Him, All things, what? Consist. He holds it all together. The Lord, Yahweh the King, what is it that we praise Him for? He sustains all of creation. Same concept. That in Him, all things consist. Are held together. They're held together in Christ. They're held together in Yahweh. So He is worthy of our praise, of our thanksgiving. Verse 10, he says, For he does not delight in the strength of the horse, and he takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. So, verse 10, he's saying, look, God is not pleased by performance. He's not pleased by performance. What's he pleased by? He tells us in the next verse, look at it. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. What is it that pleases God? The book of Hebrews tells us very clearly. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is it that pleases God? Our trust, our faith in Him. Our faith is what? It's not about performance. It's not about power. It's about faith. Do you trust Him? Is your faith in the Lord? He, he, He takes pleasure in those who fear Him and in those who hope in His mercy. So then it leads us to, to verse 12. So, <clears throat> praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Why? We're praising Him specifically in this psalm for the restoration. Why? Because after Daniel, there is a Jerusalem again. After the capturing of the, of the Babylonian captivity, there's Zion again. It all comes back. 
It's all restored. Remember the concept earlier in the psalm. Restoration. We're thankful for God for restoration. Thankful to God for sustaining creation. We're thankful for God for being a a good judge. So here he's looking now at, at Jerusalem. Specific things for which to give God thanks. For restoring Jerusalem. Verse 13. For he has strengthened the bars of your gate. So God gave the the nation strength. He has blessed your children within you. So he's given peace. We see that in verse 14. He makes peace in your borders. And he fills you with the finest wheat. So you have strength, peace, and prosperity. God's gift restoration to the nation of Israel. Then he's going to look again at creation. with Same pattern, guys. Same pattern, verse 15. He sends out his command to the earth. So he restores Jerusalem. Now, his sovereignty over nature. Look, he sends out his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts out his hail <coughs> like morsels. Who can stand before his cold, he sends out his word and melts him. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. What's he telling us in verses 15 through 18? God's in control. God is sovereign over nature. God, it, it rains when God says it's going to rain. It snows when God says it's going to snow. Winter goes away when God says winter goes away. God is telling us, the psalmist is declaring the reason we praise God is because all of these things are in His hand. That God is in control. He's in control of creation. He's restoring the nation. And then, verse 19 and 20, we're to praise Him because of His revelation. Look what He says. He declares His word to Jacob, His statutes and His judgments to Israel. Who did God utilize <coughs> to bring forth the Word of God to the world? Israel. Remember on Sunday in Daniel chapter 10, I introduced you guys to a concept called the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, which Deuteronomy 32.8 talks about the fact that God divided the nations at the Tower of Babel according to the sons of God. And then all of those nations are all fallen. The the word of God lays out for us that men's desire was to build the tower to heaven. Man was becoming his own God, following all these other voices, uh, fallen angels, what have you. And God at that moment reaches into one of those nations and calls out his own special people. Right? He went to Ur of the Chaldees and called out Abraham. Abraham... Come to a land that I will show you. Not that I have shown you. I will show it to you. Come follow me. That's what God says to Abraham. Abraham says, okay. The Bible tells us that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so from Abraham, God built a nation. For over which he was the Lord. He was their God. And what did he give them? Revelation. He gave them revelation. He gave them the word of God. He gave them the law. He gave them the prophecies. He laid out for them 
the very things that bring us today to Messiah. He gave them revelation. And for <coughs> that revelation of God to the nation, He's worthy to be praised. He has not dealt this way with any nation. One nation He called out for Himself and He gave them the Word. One nation. The nation of Israel. And as for His judgments, they, the nations, have not known Him. Paul builds on this idea. Romans 9, 10, 11. He says... What, what, what's the deal? What's the point of being a Jew? What was the advantage? <clears throat> Paul says, much in every way. For to them were given the oracles of God. The revelation of God came through them. So, the nation of Israel are called to praise God. Because He's restored your nation. Because He takes care of creation. Because He's given you His word. For you and I today, it's not all that much different. Most of us have experienced some measure of restoration in our life. The same sovereign God over creation is sovereign God over creation today. And we have in our laps His revelation. The revelation of God now in the hands of those who want the revelation of God. And how does the psalm end? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He goes on, Psalm 148. Again, praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh, the wise creator. Again, <clears throat> oftentimes the praises of God are going to be hinged on the concept of creation. That God put it all together. Look at it. Praise the Lord from the heavens. So this first section, first six verses, God's calling for praise from the heavens, from the angels, from the sons of God, that they would praise Him. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for He commanded, and they were created. What is it that the heavens are to praise Him for? He's a creator. He's a creator. Look, there's really no great way to make peace with the concept of creation and the concept of evolution. You've got to pick a side. Pretty simple. The Bible, everywhere in the Bible, talks about God's creation. God created. God brought it together. That God put it together. And so the heavens are called to praise the Lord. Listen to how. Verse 6. He established them. That means He set their boundaries. He set their foundations. All creation. He established them forever and ever. I love this phrase. He made a decree which shall not pass away. If God decrees, it happens. If God decrees, it happens. Give me, I'll give you an example of a decree of God. Let there be light. Wasn't a suggestion. That's a decree. What happened? Light was. Here's another example of a decree. Lazarus come forth. He didn't have an option. What happened? Lazarus came forth. When God decrees, that occurs. That occurs. <clears throat> that does not follow 
that everything that happens in life is a decree. The Bible's clear on those things which are decrees. We look to those decrees and we say, man, this is a decree of God. Creation was a decree of God. God spoke it and it happened. So the heavens are to praise the Lord for that. Now look at verse 7. First they call the heavens to praise, then they call the earth. Praise the Lord from the earth. And then he's going to tell us why. Why are we going to praise the Lord from the earth? And he says in the second part of verse 7, You great sea creatures and all the depths. That word for you great sea creatures. The same word that is uh, uh, defined other places in the Bible as Leviathan. Leviathan, the great... The greatest creature of the sea. Now keep in mind, remember I've, I've shared with you before, the Jewish people are not a seafaring people, right? So out of the sea comes what? Chaos, scary things, monsters. One of the titles for those things is Leviathan. You can build a concept on what animal you think Leviathan is, or you can realize that because they're not a seafaring creature, he's saying... Praise Him, all you earth, because God even controls the sea. That thing of chaos, where all the scary things come from. All the, the thing from which <clears throat> frightful things spring. When, we're, when we look at the book of Revelation, where are we going to see the beast come out of? The sea. He's gonna come, why is He going to come out of the sea? He's scary. He comes out of chaos. Comes out of the other nations. Comes from that <clears throat> scary place. That's the concept. That's the idea. Well, but what he's saying is, God, praise Him, all you earth. You sea creatures in all the depths because God has it all. It's all His. Leviathan's scary to you and me, but not scary to God. The ocean was scary to the Jewish people, but it's not scary to God. Why? Look at the next verse. Fire. Hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling His word. Does that remind you of a story? Jesus in a little boat, everybody freaking out. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? What did the storm do when God decreed? Yeah, when God decrees, it happens, right? Don't you understand when Jesus stood on that boat and said, Peace be still, He was announcing to all those disciples, I'm Yahweh. Only Yahweh calms the storm. Only Yahweh speaks and it happens. That's what Jesus is declaring as he does those things. And here in the Psalms they're saying praise God because he's got the sea covered, the storms covered, the wind covered, fire, hail, snow. It's all under God's control. Mountain and all hills, fruitful trees, <clears throat> and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. Look as he's going through the list. If you look in Genesis 1, you'll see that order. Working his way through the creation of God. All the beasts, all the cattle, creeping things, flying fowl. He doesn't leave man alone. Kings of the earth and all peoples. So God's got a purpose for us all, yeah? Princes and all judges of the earth. Both young men and maidens, old men and children. What's the call? All the earth praise God. Why are we praising God? He's a creator. 
He's the creator and sustainer of all of creation. Praise the Lord, all you heavens. Why? Because he's the creator and sustainer of the heavens. Praise the Lord. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. So he's saying, praise him. Praise him because he <coughs> is the exalted ruler. King of kings. Lord of lords. He's over it all. He's over all of it. Above it all. Praise him for he is exalted. And he has exalted the horn of his people. And remember I told you the horn is symbolic in Hebrew literature. It speaks of power. When the horn is speaking of a person, usually it's the king. So when he says he has exalted the horn of his people, it's saying he has exalted the king. What did he tell Daniel? I raise up kings and I take kings down. Over and over again, God acknowledges that not the idea that God has wound up all of creation and He's sitting back somewhere waiting to see how it comes together. That's not the picture that the Bible paints of the Lord. The Bible paints a picture of the world following God's plan from beginning to conclusion. That it's all going to wind up just like God said. Just like what? God decreed. What we read taking place in Revelation is going to happen. There will be a, a restoration. There will be a healing. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be the judgment of the living and the dead. Those things are going to take place. They're going to follow God's decree He has exalted the horn of His people and the praise of all His saints, of the children of Israel, a people dear to Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Next, in Psalm 149, we see Yahweh (coughs) delights in His people. Look at it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Sing to the Lord a new song. And His praise... In the assembly of the saints. Sing to the Lord a new song. It's always a new song on the people of God's lips. Always. Unless you are stagnant and not moving or going anywhere with God, you have something to praise Him for new. His mercies are new every morning. Every day. We, there's something for which we can praise and honor God. He says, sing to the Lord a new song. A fresh song. Why? Because my walk with God is not stagnant. That's not a walk. The book of Hebrews tells us <clears throat> that if our walk has become a float, we're not progressing. The danger of Hebrew, the book of Hebrews is the danger of drifting. Where? Away. <clears throat> Why? Apathy. Stagnation. We're not moving forward. It's a march, guys. It's a march. If you were, one thing I learned in the Marine Corps, if I don't march with everybody else, um, it, it, well, it's bad. And I, I don't end up where I need to be. The Bible describes our relationship with God as a walk, right? People say all the time, how's your walk with the Lord? It is a progression. Where? Toward Him. 
Where's our progression? Toward Him. My whole life is spent in a journey from where I begin to where I end. And I'm going to end standing before my Savior, Jesus Christ. My whole life is that journey from beginning to end. A progression. A march. A walk. There's no days off from your walk. From your march. From your progression. We don't want to drift. We want to always have fresh wind. Fresh fire. Fresh anointing. Fresh songs. To sing to the Lord. Why do we have that? Because we're progressing. Because we're moving forward. Because I'm closer today than I was yesterday. And the result is, I have something to be thankful for. If I have something to be thankful for, I have a new song. I have a new praise. A fresh praise. It's not the idea of new like I never said it before. It's the idea of new like fresh. Like... uh, the shirt you're wearing. Right? You don't you don't wear yesterday's shirt tomorrow, do you? If you do, might think about getting a washing machine or something. If you wash it, you don't need a new shirt. What do you need? A fresh shirt. You don't need a new song in the sense of I never had this shirt before. You need a fresh one. A fresh song. A fresh praise to give unto the Lord. So let Israel rejoice. What's the first thing they're called to to praise God for? Rejoice in your maker. He made you. He knows where the pieces go. Let the children of Zion be joyful to their king. So two specific things that they're called to praise God for. That he's creator and he's king. Isn't that a common theme we see in the Hallel Psalms? Praise God for creation. Praise God. He's our sovereign. What does sovereign mean? Sometimes we think of sovereign only in the sense of <clears throat> God controls everything. Sovereign is a, is a view of a king. He's our sovereign. He's the one over it all. Above it all. Beyond it all. Transcendent to it all. King of kings, right? Lord of lords. He's our sovereign, the one for which... We can be joyful. It says, let Zion be joyful for their king. Let them rejoice in their maker. Bringing praises. Let them praise his name with the dance. What? That can't be right. You're not supposed to dance in church. Isn't that illegal somewhere? Seems like there was a movie about that, right? Thou shalt not dance. And it still make us nervous today, wouldn't it? Come on. You guys walked in the back of the door and everybody was in here dancing, praising the Lord. Oh, oh, I feel uncomfortable. It's weird. But there's really something freeing about not being so hung up. Something freeing about being okay with just letting go in worship. Singing or clapping, even if the clapping's not on the beat. You know, it's not a special test. You know, when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, you clapped off beat an awful lot down there. <laughs> One of the things we're going to give you is it on the beat 
clapper. No. Because we can praise... It doesn't say praise God in time. You can praise God out of time. You just praise Him. Just There's something about being able to... I always... I'll tell you right now, you go to Israel with this, you're going to get freaked out because Jewish people don't stand still when they sing. They start praising God. Have you ever been to a Messianic fellowship? They start praising God. I had the blessing of doing a, a, being at a Messianic Passover. Yeah, when they get up and start singing, it's dance time. Somebody grabs you, and the next thing you know, you're going around in a circle. Everybody's laughing, rejoicing, happy, praising, not hung up. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from some part deep inside that's that doesn't have these words, you know, drilled into it. I've never done it that way before. <laughs> Maybe that's a problem. Praise the Lord in the dance. Now here's what you're going to recognize, and, and I want you to, to realize <clears throat> when the Jews did it, it was a circle. And everybody was involved. And that meant nobody had any special attention. The attention was on the one they were praising. Does that make sense? It's a little bit different now if somebody jumps up in the front of church and just starts dancing by themselves. Isn't it? Where did everybody's eyes go? Right there. They might have pulled a lot of eyes off the Lord. <clears throat> so, there was a way... In which it was done that did not bring glory to the one praising, but brought glory to the Lord. Now I always tell people, I have people ask me all the time, every once in a while we get a dancer. Man, I want to dance. I say, man, there's so much room in the back of the church. Knock yourself out. And you know, if you dance back there, nobody's going to know. And if you're not hung up and you do it, Wow, it works out. Nobody writes emails to me and tells me, Jackie, what are you doing? You let a dancer in the church? What's going on? So then I have to go to Psalm 149 and say, well, it says, let them praise his name with the dance. <clears throat> let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. You mean you're supposed to use instruments? Yep. Drums? Yep. Guitars, yep, whatever. Praise God with it all. With your voice, with your hands, with your body, with the instrument. Praise the Lord with it all. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. Isn't that good news? Do you ever think about the fact God takes pleasure in you? It's an important thing to remind yourself now and again. And listen... He will beautify the humble with salvation. <clears throat> Again, we have that idea, right? Of the humble. He who will bow down. He who will submit to the Lord. God says, yeah, I'm going to beautify him. With what? I'm going to save him. I'm going to save him. So let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. The high praise of God in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. What's that 
two-edged sword. God calls his people to be worshiping warriors. Worshiping warriors. Not the idea that <clears throat> we're going to go forward. We're going to see that in the book of Revelation. God doesn't really need our swords. But we do need to lay a hold in our hands to the word of God. For the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Any two-edged sword. How is it that Jesus defeats all his enemies? The Bible says he comes back with a sword coming out of his mouth. What's a sword coming out of his mouth? The decree of God. God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was. God says, uh, this is over. What happens? It's over. If God says, I'm not holding you together anymore, what happens? You fly apart. That's the word of God. And we see this transition from God's people praising Him and glorifying Him, lifting high praises to the Lord, and then this concept of the two-edged sword in their hand. And then in the, in the, in the Hebrew, <coughs> you see it's an infinitive, which means now the verbs are pointing toward God. The verbs are pointing toward God. What's going on? Let the, let the, to execute vengeance on a nation and punishment on the people to bind their kings with chains, their nobles with fetters, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. The Bible talks about this, this day. I don't have too much time to get into it, but the Bible talks about this day when Jesus returns. And it talks about the battle of Armageddon. We've heard about that before, right? Revelation chapter 19, Jesus comes back with all of his saints. Who enters into the battle? Jesus does. And the, the Bible tells us, who is this who comes from Basra down the valley of Jezreel with blood all over his robes? And the Lord says, as I, I'm returning from trampling the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. And the scripture says, and the blood will flow to the horse's bridle. By the way, the valley of Jezreel is 185 miles long. That's a big place. So, what the, the point of it is, praise God because He's going to judge. God knows how to judge the wicked and the righteous. And judgment day will come and it will be perfect. We don't have to worry about, well, he messed up this or that one. We don't have to worry about like our justice system where, oops, we sent a guy away for 20 years for something he didn't do. No, when God judges, it's perfect. It's right. It's right. <clears throat> and I don't look forward to that day. Because after that day, there's no more. But what it reminds me of is I have today. I have today. Judgment's coming. I have today. Still people in my life that, that won't receive the Lord, can't hear a cotton-picking thing from me, uh, they just as soon light me on fire as listen to me talk to them. But I still can pray for them. I can still ask God to intervene in their life and move in their life and on their behalf. We still have time. So I praise God for the day that will come when the worshiping warrior will 
set things aright, and I praise God that it hasn't come yet. And we still have today. Then we move on. Hallelujah to praise the Lord in Psalm 150. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament, in His creation. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Again, more instruments. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. A lute's the beginning of the guitar. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Oh, there's that moving stuff again. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals and clashing cymbals. Oh, there's our drum kit. Let everything that has breath do what? There's a lot of things that have breath, right? So everything that has breath is supposed to praise the Lord. And how's it all in? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Psalms have been completed. (coughs) Why Why don't you guys...